Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, risers. How's everybody doing this morning? What up, everybody? Super excited to be with you. If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor, and we're going to continue to experience God together today uh, through the Word. Uh, As Pastor Ken said, last weekend was amazing in our church. What God did throughout the whole weekend, not just on fire night, but was absolutely incredible. And this morning is the first Sunday of the month, and we always want to honor one of our volunteers. And uh, I want to say that we have the most incredible volunteers on the planet here at Arise. You guys are rock stars. You guys are the A-team, and sometimes those people are more obvious, and sometimes they're a little bit behind the scenes, and I just love Matt and Lacey Carmack. They are doing an outstanding job. Yeah. They are the epitome of faithfulness. Are y'all in the room right now? I know they're here somewhere. Up, Up top. Okay, I can't see anything up there. You guys are the epitome of faithfulness. Um, They're always out there every morning flagging people, pointing them in the right direction, trying to keep the organization of the parking lot done well. And you guys are rock stars. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much. One more time, can you put your hands together for Matt and Lacey? You guys are awesome. Thank you for all you do. Um, uh, uh, So today is a very important day to me. Uh, that I don't think I fully grasped the importance of, in, at least in the way, until last night. Uh, but today is my conversion day. It's my rebirth day. On this day, yeah. I'm glad four of you are excited about that. <laughs> on this day in 1997, 25 years ago, that's what I didn't catch on to until last night. I didn't realize it was 25 years, and that's kind of a cool, cool number. It was 25 years ago that I sat outside of my little apartment smoking a cigarette, feeling convicted because my best friend's father, who was like a father figure to me, comes into my little apartment room and he looks around and he sees, God only knows what he saw to be honest with you, but, but drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and who, whatever else um, that he would have just seen casually looking around. And he looked at me and he said, Brent, 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 Brent. And it crushed me. You know, the Holy Spirit will use a lot of different things. And he was like a father figure to me. And what he was saying when he said that was, you're so much better than this. What are you doing? What are you doing? And he left and I went outside and I would love to say that it was a quick decision. Like I just immediately gave my life to Jesus. And, but the Bible talks about counting the cost. In fact, I'll be honest with you. The people that, that really uh, succeed in this Christian things are often the ones who actually really think about what they're doing. It's not an emotional decision. And in that moment, I sat out there in my young 19-year-old mind, smoking a cigarette. I used to do that a lot. People used to call me Smokey, believe it or not. You ever seen the movie Friday? I was, anyway, okay. If you don't know what that is, don't watch it. And so I was smoking a cigarette, and in my 19-year-old mind, I remember looking at the cigarette and looking up at the heavens. It was, a, it was kind of a clear night. You could see the stars and looking up at the heavens and looking at the cigarette and, and knowing I had to choose between these two what they represented to me. And I had tried to kind of walk the middle ground and, 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 you know, go to church and then act like I wanted to. And and I am not good at being fake. Even when I was not saved, I was not good at being fake. And so that just didn't work. And I knew I had to make a choice. And I smoked cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. I don't know how many I smoked as I sat there really processing, all right, if I give my life to Christ, this is what it means. I need, to, I need to give up everything. I need to lose these friends. I need to, I need to move out. I'm going to need to move back in with my mother. You talk about embarrassing? Because I knew that would actually protect me from all of the influence that would be coming. And back and forth and back and forth. And finally, I looked up at heaven. I said, all right, God, I'll give you everything. And I put the last cigarette out, walked into my apartment, knelt down at my couch, stuck my head in the pillows of the couch, and I started crying out to God. I said, God, if you'll, get, if you'll take my life, I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. And that's been 25 years ago. And what I have discovered is that I thought I was giving my life to Jesus. But what I found is that Jesus was actually giving life to me. (laughs) 
And my life would take a radical turn. I'll come back to that thought in a second. But my life would take a radical, radical, radical turn. I stuck my face in that pillow and I began crying out to God. And as I began praying, I began speaking in tongues. I know some of you that's weird. Others of you, you love it. But, but I began speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit came on me. I remember being scared to look up and look around because, because I, I, I just felt like the whole room was spinning around me. I really think it was a deliverance. God was delivering me spiritually from things, but I didn't know what it was. I was a kid, and I didn't know what that was. I just knew I was scared to get up and look around, and I had my face in my pillow. And I can only tell you this. Whenever I took my face out of that pillow, a new creature had been born. A new person was there. I was not the same person. Life had new meaning. All of a sudden, it was like putting on some kind of glasses where everything, all the colors were better. The people were better. Everything was better. I remember seeing like Jesus bumper stickers that used to be cheesy and going like, that's awesome. He's a Jesus person too. And like, (laughs) I had this whole community and God began restoring me and he washed away my sin. Are you with me? But but you also know that sometimes God can wash away your sin, but that doesn't mean he takes away all the consequences of your sin. Because I had some consequences that he did not immediately wash away. In fact, there are consequences that I had to live with and learn how to to apply the principles of God's word into my life in order to uh, actually take care of those. It oftentimes works that way. And so, um, because it would be so nice if God just immediately, right off the bat, I'm I'm getting a ring. I don't know if you're hearing that, but I'm definitely hearing it. Uh, Right off the bat, it would be really cool if God just like washed away everything you had ever done wrong and fixed every bit of it. But if you got a court date, you still got a court date. So one of those things for me was this, um, at, at 17 years old, a couple years prior to that, I had gone to JC Penney back when JC Penney was cool. I'm not saying it's not cool now. I just know all the young people in the room are like, Ugh. no, there was a time when it was cool. And I went to JC Penney and, um, checking out at JC Penney, the lady at the cash register, she's like, Hey, do you want to apply for a credit card? You get like 10% off or something like that. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't get it. I'm only 17. She's like, all right, just apply. You get your 10%. I'm like, Okay. So I applied for a credit card. I didn't, still to this day, other than the work of the devil, I have no idea how I got it. But at 17 years old, I was issued a credit card. I don't know, is that legal or what? You know, I'm not sure. But I got a credit card at 17 years old, and, uh, and, and I applied. And three weeks later or something like that, I get this card in the mail, and it was a whopping $300 JCPenney credit card. Now, if you grew up like me in a poor household, $300 was a fortune, Especially for this kid, man. I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of money. And I'm going to need to make sure I don't abuse this credit card. Within a week, it was maxed out because I went there, (laughs) bought everything I wanted, bought everything I could think of. I went on a $300 spending spree, and I thought, woo, that is awesome. And then I got payments. But the payments are bad because when it's only $300, your payment's like 10 bucks or something. So I'm like, yeah, I can make $10 payments for the rest of my life. But I can make $10 payments. Well, that, because you're making means you start getting other credit card offers. And you make a payment, you get other credit card offers. And, and by the time, by the time I had given my life to Christ and I'm serving in a church, I, I quickly ended up in ministry. By the time I had met my wife and I'm ready to get married, I was making less than $20,000 a year, less than $17,000 a year in annual income in ministry. Some of you thought you were called to ministry until you just heard that. Whoa. (laughs) Workplace ministry, we're a galaxy pastor. It's never been about the money, and I say that genuinely. Aidy and I were talking about this last night. It's never been about the money. It was about ministry. And so so I'm I'm in ministry making $16,800 a year, full-time ministry. It was was really part-time ministry, but they could have convinced me to do it full-time because I was young and dumb. So $16,800 a year, and I had about $8,000 in credit card debt. Wouldn't it be nice if when Jesus washed away your sins, the blood of Jesus also just washed away credit card debt? But it doesn't happen like that. It would be awesome if it did, but it doesn't. And what I found is that my master had become MasterCard. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And so when you're a slave, you start to live in a slave mentality. Some of you know all about this. You are either there or you have been there. And you know all about this because every time the phone rang, I started getting a little anxious because it's probably a debt collector because I just simply could not afford. 
Because I started financing a lifestyle that I could not afford and doing things. Even, even before I got saved, I was the one that suddenly had credit cards. And so I was buying alcohol and stuff like that for friends of mine and things like that that were just ridiculous that I would ever do that on multiple levels. But I was the one doing that. And then early on in ministry, everybody always wants to go out to eat after ministry. That's why we get this, right? Because fellowship means food. It's the same word in the Greek, right? That's not true, but... And so we go out to eat, and I can't afford to go out to eat, but you know what? I got credit cards, and so they start going up and going up and going up. And before you know it, all of a sudden, I'm a slave to these credit cards. I'm a slave to these credit cards. So I got good news and bad news for you this morning on that subject. Uh, which one do you want to hear first? All right, bad news first. That's good, because that's what's first in my PowerPoint. The bad news is this. <laughs> many, many followers of Jesus Christ, you live the exact same way as the people that are in the world. We're not applying the principles of God in our lives to actually get out of debt, to actually function the way God intended us to function. And so we're not applying those things in our life. Many people in this room, you're not applying those principles. We'll talk all about that this morning. Um, and that's a very negative thing. All you've ever heard was the world's principles for the most part. You've never applied, you've never studied what the Word of God says about finances. Um, but the, some of the richest people ever on the planet Earth were people that wrote parts of the Bible. Come on, y'all. It's good to listen to what they have to say. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is twofold. The good news is twofold. One, God wants you to be financially free. That's good news. That's good news. God does not want you to be financially bound. He does not want you to be trapped in your finances. He does not want you to be deeply in debt. When we have some legacy offering or something like that, that we, we will have at the end of the month, by the way, when we have those kind of things, sometimes we want to give, but you just simply can't because you're so financially strapped. God does not want you to be um, financially strapped. He wants you to be financially free. This is key. That does not mean God wants you to be financially rich. Financial freedom and, and being financial wealth are not the same thing. You can have financial freedom without having financial wealth, but you can also have financial wealth and not have financial freedom. If you're making $30,000 a year, you can be financially free, and if you're making $300,000 a year, you can also be financially strapped. So, so it, it, God wants you to be financially free. Okay. Secondly, uh, God wants you, uh, you can be financially free. If you put in God's principles into your life, you can be financially free. Now, we live in this world right now where we are having a significant problem with finances, and specifically credit cards. Um, on average, the average American has seven credit cards with $8,400 in debt. Uh, one out of four people on, in America right now are late on their credit card payments. That's a problem. Um, it's almost like we have the haves and the have-nots, and then you have the haven't paid for what you have yet. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, when you got the credit card, you were like me with JCPenney. When you got the credit card, it was for emergencies. That's why you got the credit card. It was in case of an emergency. And it's crazy what becomes an emergency. That dress is on sale. It's an emergency. I'm hungry. I need to eat out. That's an emergency. That girl is looking at me. I need to take her out. That's an emergency. That actually might be an emergency for some of you in this room. This might be your one shot at getting her. So I'm not even neglecting that one. I'm just saying. But it's funny what becomes an emergency all of a sudden, and you end up with all this debt. And on top of that, we are in the middle of inflation right now and coming out of COVID. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. But, but, but inflation is making it worse. 35% of American households say their financial situation has gotten worse in the last 12 months. 42% of Americans have increased their credit card debt during COVID. Almost one in five now have credit card debt uh, 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 of $20,000 or more. <coughs> now I'm going to say something that might be offensive, but hear me. Much of what we complain about the economy ruining my finances might actually be you being a bad financial steward. If you have not planned for problems and difficulties to come, then we're probably not being a very good financial steward of what we already have, and we really can't just blame the economy for everything. But, but there are $4 gas prices and all that, and, and um, some of you drove here today. Some of you might have walked just because of that. <laughs> all right, so we got the good news 
and the bad news. God wants you to have financial freedom. Now, uh, Dave Ramsey would say that there's over 800 scriptures on money and possessions in the Bible. I heard one pastor say that one out of 10 verses in the Gospels talk about money, and the majority of Jesus' parables talked about money or possessions in some way or others. And so what we want to do in this series is help us, especially as we walk through this unique season in the United States of inflation and skyrocketing gas prices, God only knows where that's going to end, when all of this is happening around us, we are strategically wanting to empower you and show you how to budget money God's way, to handle it God's way, so that you are not strapped, so you have financial freedom. Y'all remember freedom, right? Remember that feeling of freedom? Remember when school got out for the summer? And you're like, woo, yes, I got two months off. Like, yes, this is the greatest thing ever. You remember that first time you drove a car? That freedom, it's like, I'm driving the car. There is that same spirit of freedom with your finances that God wants you to have. So that when you decide you want to give a really large tip to a waitress, you can do it and never think about it. So that when you say, oh, the church is going to Israel, I want to go to Israel, you can do it without ever thinking about it. That's financial freedom. God wants you to have financial freedom. And so we want to help you create some disciplines in your life throughout this series to encourage financial freedom. But we have to start in the first place. First things first, that's the title of this message. And here's the thing, number one, if you want God's blessing, you have to put him first. When you want God's blessing in your life, you have to put him first. It's a kingdom principle. It's a recognition, recognizing, whatever that word is, recognition, thank you, that God owns it all, and I am stewarding what belongs to him, and I'm recognizing that by putting him first. And that's where it all starts. And the kingdom principle is, God, you, you own it all. And so, so... <clears throat> and so God gives to you always more than what you are giving. God always gives back to you more than what you're always giving to him. Your financial sins can't be washed away, but you can begin to allow the blessing of God to rest in your life and the principles of God to be on your life and your finances so that you can steward finances properly actually to increase it God's way. Does that make sense? Yes. So first fruits principle we got first fruits up here with us. I think God sovereignly ordained that to happen this morning. These boxes were not planned. They just showed up this morning. We got first fruits principle that I will give you my first fruits, God. I will give you the first of what comes in back to you. Because first is always more important. First is always uh, memorable. Say it that way. Your first kid, your first date, your first kiss, your first job, your first car. All of those things are things that you will never forget because there's something about first that make it even more valuable when you put God first, when you put something first. And oftentimes we don't realize what we have in our hands and we don't realize the value of putting God first with our finances. Um, uh, There's a story of a guy by the name of Danny Simpson, no relation, that I know of. Uh, that was in Ottawa back in 1990, and he robbed a bank and got $7,000. Um, $7,000 is, a, is a, you know, a decent amount of money when he robbed the bank. But what Danny did not realize is that the gun that he robbed the bank with was an antique gun that was worth $100,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sometimes we don't realize that the answer to our need is actually already in our hand, and all we can see is it's out there. And we think, if I just get more and more and more, I'll have what I need. And God's going, no, you actually have what you need already in your hands if you will steward it wisely. So we're going to share a lot of verses. Some of them I'll read, some of them I won't this morning. But Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Solomon is writing this. He's the, he's the Elon Musk of his day. He is, he is exceptionally wealthy. And he says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, with the first fruits of all your crops, Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats brim with new wine. So if you honor God with the first portion, he will then give you uh, what you need for the other portion. And that's where it all starts at. (coughs) So as we move forward, uh, before we go to this next point, I want you to watch one quick video about donuts. Go ahead. What is this? Donuts. Okay. Go ahead. 
I can have them. You can have them all. These are for me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. You just you look hungry. That is a good donut. All right, well, I gotta hit the road. You mind if I, you mind if I just take one for the road? Just, just one. Well, I am really hungry, and I missed breakfast this morning. I'm probably gonna miss lunch, and I was gonna take these home to my wife and kids. Really, to be honest, they gotta last me a whole week. So I had given my life to Christ and God washed away my sins, but I still had consequences from my past and bad practices I was still living in uh, at that time. And so I ended up with all this credit card debt and I wish God would have just washed that away, uh, but he did not. And so um, I start really challenging this idea of tithing. Now I came into church, many of you have been this way, uh, where they talked about tithing a lot. Um, In fact, sometimes the pastor would preach the tithing message, like the giving talk, like that was an hour long. And so he would do that. In fact, one time I remember I had to go home and get something. And so when he started the offering, I thought, I'm going to go home and get it real fast, get back. My house was 20 minutes or 15 minutes from the church. I drove home as fast as I could, got what I had to get, got back. And he's still speaking. And I thought, oh, he's in the message. And somebody said, no, he's still taking the offering. We, we are not that church that's going to constantly talk about it here, but yet we're also not going to ignore it because it's a very important part of every one of our lives. And so... <clears throat> So he was always talking about tithing, and I was deeply in debt, and it's really hard to tithe when you're deeply in debt, right? In fact, Martin Luther would say it this way. Martin Luther would say there's three conversions, the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and then the conversion of the wallet. And I would add to it that they go in that order. You give your heart to Christ, your mind starts to be changed, and then your wallet comes last. And when you leave, it goes the opposite direction. Your wallet starts leaving, then your mind, and then eventually your heart. And so they kind of go in that order. And so here I am, this young believer. I had given my heart to Christ. My mind is being sanctified, but I was not tithing. I was not giving. I was not putting God first in my finances because I couldn't afford to. And that's what we always say, right? We can't afford to. And so, so I couldn't afford to. I had also gotten some really poor counsel from somebody that I trusted uh, that said, said, said not to and, and this and that. But then I, I stumbled across this book. It was called Eating Sacred Cows. It was, a book is an overstatement. It's really like a pamphlet. It was probably 12 pages. Um, but at that time period, that was a lot of reading for me back then. And so, so I read this, and it was all about how tithing is Old Testament and not too t- New Testament. And I read that book, and I outlined that book, and I underlined that book, and I thought, I know way more than my pastor. <coughs> my 19, 20-year-old self, whatever I was, I know way more than he knows because I read the book. Well, let me just quickly give you some ideas around it. First of all, tithing is a biblical principle for putting God first in your finances. Now, let's, let's just quickly unpack that. I don't have time because this would be a whole message unto itself that most people don't care about. But tithing is biblical. You, through, you see it throughout the New Testament. Or I'm sorry, throughout the whole of the Bible and the New Testament. Um, so first of all, people would say tithing is law. Uh, well, tithing predates the law. It goes all the way back uh, to Genesis, if you can go to that slide. Genesis chapter 14 and Genesis chapter 28 are the first times you see tithing going on. That's actually before the law was ever given. You have this whole picture of Melchizedek, uh, which some people believe was Jesus in a, in a form at that time period. No matter how you see it, he's some kind of godly uh, person. So you see it there. Secondly, tithing was law. It was definitely under the law, and you see that in Deuteronomy Uh, 26, uh, that tithing was part of the law and it was required of the Old Testament. But then you jump into the New Testament and you see that Jesus actually taught tithing or at least encouraged it because in Matthew chapter 23, he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees and he's calling them hypocrites. And he's saying, listen, you tithe in all of this, but you're not doing the other things you should do. And he says, it's good that you tithe. That's a good thing that you're doing that, but you're neglecting the other things that you should be doing on top of it. So, So tithing really is a minimum We'll come back to that. And then 
Lastly, the New Testament teaches tithing, going into the book of Hebrews. Uh, you see this picture of Melchizedek mentioned all over again, and this idea of the tithe mentioned all over again. So throughout the Bible, you see this image of tithing. It's not like tithing was law. We don't have to, we're not under law. So let me back up and explain this. That is 100% true that you are not under law. There is absolutely nothing that you are required to do in your Christian faith. Once you give your life to Christ, there is nothing that is law that you have to do these things. Yet there are principles throughout the Bible of things that if you do them, you'll actually experience the Christian walk. Right? Tithing is not a law. It's a principle. You are not under the law. You are under grace. And there is a principle of the tithe. So, so think of other principles you have. Do you realize there's nowhere in the Bible that commands you to pray? But hopefully, if you're a Christian, you're going to pray. Nowhere in the Bible that commands you to fast. Not in the New Testament. But hopefully, you're going to fast. Nowhere in the Bible commands you to serve or attend church or all these things. But yet, we all know those are very good things that when you do them, you start to receive the benefits of those things. Tithing is just like that. It's a principle. It is not ever meant to be a law. So some of you grew up in churches where it was taught like it was a law, and I apologize for that. Uh, and they said, you know, you have to tithe. You have to. Listen, it's a, it's a principle. You cannot tithe and go to heaven. But you cannot bring heaven into your finances without tithing. <clears throat> so it's not a law, but it is a principle just like anything else. If you will surrender it to God, he will bless it. If you want God to, sur- to, to bless your marriage, surrender it to God. Bless your relationships, bless, bless your workplace, surrender it to God. As you surrender things to God, it allow his blessing to come on it. Once it's in my hand, he can't bless it. But once it's in his hand, he can bless it. Are you with me? And so, so it is a principle that you see throughout the Bible. It is not law. So what is tithing? Tithing is giving 10% of your gross income. Uh, back to the Lord. And that tends to be to the church is the way we see it today. Uh, To the storehouse is the way that Malachi uh, would say it. And so you're giving 10% back to the church. Why the church? I think there's a couple reasons for that. One would be because it's the bride of Christ. It is God's way of evangelizing the world. It is his mission uh, unit. It is his army, so to speak, of carrying forth his will. And so it is the bride of Christ. If I, if I give you money, if I go to Pete and I'm like, Pete, I'm going to give you a $10,000 a month while I'm away because you know Jesus is away. I'm going to give you $10,000 a month while I'm away. And I want you to give $1,000 to my wife. You can do, you know, you can't actually do whatever you want with the other nine. We'll get into that throughout the series. But give $1,000 a month to my wife. In the first month, he does that. The second month, he does that. By the sixth month, he's already bought a lot of other stuff with the, with the 9000 or 900 whatever I said. Uh, he's already given, uh, bought a lot of stuff with that, and he's running out of money. And so then he starts taking away with what belongs to my wife, eventually buying more and more stuff, because that's how greed works, especially in our American system. And so before you know it, he's not taking care of my bride at all. When I come back, am I going to be happy with him or not? Am I going to trust him with more or not? Of course not, right? That's one of the reasons. The second reason I think why it's the church is because the church is where you're fed. The church is where you are spiritually fed. And you you would never go to Carabas and, uh, you know, get chicken marsala, praise God. You would never go to Carabas and eat at Carabas and go, man, check this place out. This looks really nice. Like, this is a nice restaurant. They don't look like they need my money. But the taco stand down the street... They got plastic chairs. Like, they look like they need my money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the taco stand for my Carabas meal. You would never do that. It would never fly. In fact, if you do that, it's probably not going to go very well. Um, you might end up getting arrested. I don't know. I don't really know what happens. I've never done it, but um, it's not going to go well. I know that. Here's the thing. You are fed in the church. That's another reason. Because here's the thing. The gospel is free, but the propagation of the gospel is not. Amen. You are all sitting on cushioned chairs in an air-conditioned building. Praise God. Let that go out one Sunday and see who shows up. Um, Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, inside of this nice building, inside of ministry, and your kids are being ministered to at the same time, blah, blah, blah. All those things cost money. And the gospel is free, but the propagation of the gospel is absolutely not free. So, (coughs) in our church, I had our financial team uh, look up some stats. 
Just to give you some eye-opening stats, uh, because I know we all want to amen during this section, but the truth is, we have around, right this second in our church, around uh, 1,650, 1,650 people who attend our church at least once a month. Many people come every Sunday, but then there's a whole herd of people that show up once a month, once every two weeks, once every three weeks, that kind of stuff. But there's about 1,650 people who would call this their church home, as best as we can tell right now. Of that, there's about 300 people, or 18%, that are tithers. Uh, that's the old Pareto principle that, that basically says that, that 20% do 80% of the work and 80% do 20% of the work. Many of you have heard that. It's still pretty true. Um, so about 18% of our church appear to be tithers. Some of you just got offended that I even looked that up. I wasn't looking it up. We sent it to our financial people. But about 18%. About 725 or 45% appear to be tippers. There's a difference between a tither and a tipper. A tipper is an emotional giver. Uh, generally, uh, Christians and especially Americans in general, we're givers, but we're emotional givers. We will give to Ukraine right now. We'll give to the hurricane victims or whatever, but we're just not planned givers. We don't organize our giving. Um, and so about 44% of our tithe appear, uh, of our church appear to be tippers. And about, let this sink in, 38% of our church or 625 people appear to be takers. They have not given anything. In fact, uh, uh, Emmeline Williams gave $2.85. Y'all know Emmeline? A sweet little girl. Uh, Emmeline Williams gave $2.85 last year. That's more than 66% of our church. That, that's crazy. I'm sorry, 38% of our church, 625. That's more than 38% of our church. Now, we are never going to have a cover charge, and we're not going to guilt you into giving or anything like that. In fact, some people are like, the church is all about my money. That's the dumbest thing ever. If it was all about your money, we would charge you to come in. I don't even know of any. I mean, there's some pretty progressive churches. I don't even know of any doing that. Maybe they're out there somewhere. But the church is not always about your money. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. And you need this in this time of, 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 of you know, inflation and what's happening. And so, so the tithe is what's given first. It's a first fruits offering back to God. The first portion. This is why somebody can never say, if you're truly tithing, you can never say that, that uh, uh, I can't afford to tithe because you can only not afford to tithe if you tithe last. But the word tithe itself means a tenth. You can't tithe 9%. You can't tithe 11%. It means a tenth. And the, the uh, nature of it is that it's always given first biblically. It's a first fruits offering. So uh, Ada and I practically pull this out like this. We, we automate the important. That's part of our lives. We've done that for years. And we have set up our giving in such a way that to the best of our ability, it comes out on Thursdays. Why? Because we get paid on Thursdays. And so to the best of our ability, the very first thing that comes out of our paycheck is our tithe. Because we think it's that important to put it first in our life, not last. Now, that was a struggle for me for a long time because I had credit card debt and all these other debts that were overwhelming. And I'm like, I can't put God first because I got to put MasterCard first because MasterCard is my master. Are you with me? I got to put these other things first. But as long as I'm not putting him first, I'm not allowing the blessing of God to come. And so I'm going to stay in this debt. Do you see the cyclical nature of this? And so uh, tithing is putting God first in your finances. And again, you see this throughout the Bible. Exodus 23, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Uh, again, I read it before, but Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will uh, brim over with new. And then in the New Testament, we have the famous, the famous uh, Matthew six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All right, point number three. <clears throat> I got to hurry through this. Point number three. Tithing is a trust challenge. Tithing is a trust challenge. Proverbs 23, 4 says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Will you trust yourself or will you trust God? That's the big question here. And it's every time you receive income, it's a challenge of are you going to trust yourself or are you going to trust God? Uh, and that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's stop. I'm losing some of you. Everybody just do this. Pull your wallet out. Everybody pull your wallet out. If you're your wife and it's in your purse, whatever, pull your wallet out. Pull it out. 
Some of you are like, I don't know where this is going. I'm not doing it. Just, just trust me. Pull your wallet out. Everybody got your wallet? Can I see it? Everybody got your wallet? If you don't have a wallet, that's okay. You're like, thank God I didn't bring my wallet this morning. All right, this is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look around you, find somebody you do not know, not like a, somebody that's not family member, and hand them your wallet. Just, just give your wallet to somebody else. Y'all feel that tension right now? There's a level of anxiety right now. Somebody's like, of all the people to give it to, I'm not giving it to a woman. Y'all feel that level of tension, of anxiety? Some of you have not taken your eyes off that wallet since you handed it. Like, I'm I'm listening to you, Pastor. I'm I'm listening to you. I'm listening. You're right. You're like, you're you're not, because there's a level of anxiety around trusting somebody else with your finances. Isn't that true? All right, you can give your wallet back to the, to the people before it's, before it's too late. <laughs> Trusting God with your finances is hard. It's scary. There's something about it that's this, that's this tension. But it's a lot easier when you start living with the mentality. And I had to learn this. This is part of my story. But I had to start living with the mentality that God owns it all. It was never mine in the first place. Therefore, it's not my job necessarily to force an increase. It's not my job necessarily to make something happen. It's his job because he owns it all. And every time you get a paycheck, it's a question of do you trust God with your finances or are you going to do your own thing? Every single time. It's a test over and over and over. In fact, Malachi 3.10 would say, Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that, you may be, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there would not be enough room to store it. This is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, Test me in this. Test me in this. In fact, our church uh, kind of follows that example, and we do a giving challenge. Like, listen, if you start tithing uh, to the church and you find out in a few months or six months or a year or whatever, you're like, this isn't working. I think this sucks. This is the worst. We will give you your money back. And we will not make fun of you. We will not laugh at you. We won't call you up front like, hey, we're giving you your money back. Let's bless them as they leave. No, it's not going to be like that. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some churches do that kind of thing. It's not like that at all. No, it's not like that at all. It's, it's, we will do it discreetly because here's the fact. We genuinely believe God in this, and we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And God says, test me in this. We'll help you test him in this. And so if you've never tithed or you're being a tipper for a long time and you want to start tithing, listen, it's, it's, you know, if it doesn't work, we'll give you your money back. Um, I can tell you this. Over the years, I don't believe we've ever given anybody their money back. Not because we're stingy, not because we won't, but because it works. <laughs> It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. That's not what it is. But it is trusting God with your finances and saying, you are Lord of my money, not me, not me. See, here's the big thing. I wrote this in my notes, and I thought to myself, that's profound after I wrote it in my notes. Your bank account ledger is a reflective document that describes your actual priorities and values. Let that sink in. You can say what you want to say out of your mouth. But if you really want to know what you care about, what your values are, what your, uh, what your uh, priorities are, if you really want to see what they are, just look at your finances. To some of you, you value Starbucks more than you value God. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to say this is a legitimate, uh, some people would call it a theological document that tells you what you care about. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, with that thought, okay, so what happened in my journey, so I get saved, uh, I, I'm struggling with all this, and they keep giving me more credit card debt, right, because I would make minimum payments. Sometimes I'd get behind because they got so much, but, but they would send me more credit cards and more credit card offers, and I would get all excited because 300 turned into 3,000 real quickly in what they would give you in credit card, and, and those cash advances seemed awfully easy. That's the devil, but they seemed awfully easy, and so I'm receiving all this, I'm receiving all this. Watch this. And this is not a great, perfect metaphor, but I want you to hear it because I think there's something to it. The Lord's been speaking to me about this all week. Your minimum payment, when you make that, will increase your credit limit. 
But if you actually pay off the credit card every month, it will increase your credit limit a whole lot faster. Aiden and I have no credit card debt now. We haven't in a long time. This has been a long time ago for us. Every, yeah, that's a good thing to praise God for. <laughs> but, but I want you to hear this. We have, we have one credit card that we use because you get uh, balances and you get the uh, percentages back, but it just gets paid off. In fact, it automatically gets paid off every month. It just, it's set up to automatically pay itself off every single month, right? Because of the cash back that it, it, it gives and stuff. But, but I want you to see this. So now they want to keep increasing it, not, not minimum payment increases, but paying it off increases. They want to shoot it way up. It's a ridiculous amount of credit they want to offer me now. I want you to hear me. This might offend some people. Tithing is your minimum payment. It's giving back to God the minimum. We're like, we're under grace, not the law. Grace always exceeds law. Grace is not looking for a minimum. Grace is looking for what God, that God owns it all. So the tithe becomes the minimum that you give back to God, and it increases your limit with God. Are you with me? God says, oh, I can trust him with more. But when you really say, God, you have all of it. Anything I have, I will give back to you. Anything that is in my account is yours. And when you, now, now this is not foolish giving. This is not walking around just, you know, with money dangling out your pockets, just trying to throw it away. That's not, this is going, God, anytime you speak to me, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Anytime you are leading me, it's yours. It's yours. And you are a cheerful giver. Not like, ah, I got to give this. No, you're like, God, I get to partner with you in giving. All of a sudden, it's like paying off the credit card every month because you're going, it's not owning me. It's not a minimum. Now it goes beyond that. And you start to really walk in the blessings of God. And credit is a way that the bank learns if they can trust you or not. And they trust you based on a payment history. Now, I know this is not a perfect analogy. And when we talk about tithing, you're not even paying a tithe. We, we use that language a lot. It's really bad language. We're bringing a tithe because it all belongs to God. We're not paying God for God's stuff. But, 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 but credit is an evidence of your payment history, and can I trust you? So <coughs> over the years, I learned to do that. It wasn't easy at first. I'm, I'm surrendering my life to Christ. God's changing my heart. He's changing my mind. Slowly, he starts changing my wallet. I was a tipper for a long time. I was in ministry, and I was a tipper. I'm 20, 21 years old, 22 years old, and, and tipping God. Honestly, half the time, just so the pastor didn't find out that I wasn't tithing. Come on, y'all. Can I just be that real with you? And so I'm tipping. God starts changing my heart, changing my mind, and eventually changing my wallet. So I start giving. But we frequently, or, or early on, we caught on to this idea that tithing is a minimum. But if you really want God's blessing, it's all his. So you might tithe as a minimum every week or every month or however much you paid. But the truth is God wants all of it. And so if he calls me to give more, I'm just going to give more. Are you with me? Yes. Nowadays, Ada and I give a lot more than the tithe. Inconsistent giving over and over. A much higher percentage than the tithe that we consistently give to the Lord. Now I want you to see this. Credit is a way of can, God tr or can the bank trust you. Ada and I get ready to... Um, to uh, buy our, our house that we bought a couple years ago, two and a half years ago, we bought a new house. We've been in the same house forever, ever before that. I wasn't planning to say any of this, so y'all forgive me. But, but we, we, we start looking at buying the house. It's an it's a upgrade quite a bit. It's not a mansion, but it's a, it's a larger house for us, and we're like, wow, should we do that? And ministry's funny, because people judge you on weird things. Yes. And so we're like, should we do this? And we kind of went back and forth, and this and that. And, and I'm telling you one whole story here. Went back and forth, and we're like, yeah, should we do this? Should we not? Um, and we said, let's, let's pray about it and, and such. And we'd been praying about it. And I went for a walk because that's how I pray. I walk and pray. Ada gets on her face and cries out to God and tears, and I just walk. And so Ada goes to the room to pray. I go walk around the, the lake to pray. We come back, and God spoke to me and spoke to Ada individually. And I came back, and, or we came back together and said, so what did God say? And, and we're talking. I said, I, I really feel like God said. I'm, I'm, I really strongly feel this. God said, it's okay to do it because I can trust you with it. Are you with me? Yes. I can trust you with it. So, wow, that's an interesting thing. Ada said the exact same thing. Her word from God was, I can trust you with it. So we stepped out on faith. We bought this house. Having no idea that in the last two and a half years, that house is going to skyrocket in value. Anybody know anything about that? Either you have the house or you're trying to buy a house right now and all of a sudden 
And all of a sudden now we have a house that's worth, it was all, we already got a crazy good deal on it, but now it's worth hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars more than we paid for it. Do y'all see how God works? And God says, listen, I can trust you with it. But what does that mean? What does that mean practically? Do you know that since we've lived in that house, we've had several people live with us? Some of which who could, who could do nothing financially to help us? It's just, because it's just, here's the thing, it's not our house. It's God's house. And if God leads us to help somebody with the house, we're going to use it to help them. Are you with me? So God could trust us because we had been sowing and tithing and giving for so many years. So let me ask you this big question. What's your credit limit with God? Let that sink in. To some of you, God desperately wants to bless you, but you're not even making the minimum payment, much less going beyond that. To some of it, God desperately wants to bless you and put his hand on your finances, but you're not even taking the first initial step. So what's your credit limit with God? See, God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. That's that Proverbs verse. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. He wants to bless you. All right, number four, my last point, and we'll wrap up. Tithing is a heart issue. Tithing is a heart issue. It's the number one thing in competition with your heart. Uh, Your heart naturally goes away from God and will go to anything you spend money on. In fact, Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you put your money, your heart will follow it. I've said this for years. If you really want to get serious about working out, just find a gym that charges you $500 a month. You'll start working out. The more more money you put into it, the more you're going to chase that money and do something with it. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. That's why some people get into weird stuff. Some people are all into their yard because they put all this money into yard work and stuff. And I'm like, that's the weirdest thing to me in the world. but, but, But they put their money into it. Sometimes people are like, how come I don't love Jesus more? I'm like, are you giving? Are you tithing? Because your heart will always follow your money. Um, And it's a heart issue at the end of the day. And it'll literally, (coughs) literally break the spirit of greed off of your life. I want to show you one video. I showed this a few years ago, but I think it's so good. Um, This is Derek Carr. He's a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, And a few years ago, he got what at that time was the record-setting quarterback contract. It was $100 million a year over the next four years, $25 million uh, per year. And there's a few things about this. I, I want you to watch the way he reacts to this and the things he says, specifically about tithing in this video. And then we'll come up and, and wrap everything up in just a second. So hit that video. You know, first and foremost, i just uh, blessed and honored uh, to be sitting here today. I dreamed of this day when I was a little kid. Um, and uh, it's here. And so uh, I'm just, I just thank God for this opportunity. I just want to thank the Raiders organization. Uh, we figured out a way to do it uh, so that we have the opportunity to sign the other guys that I think are important to this organization. And that was really important to me, not to just take every single dime that we could. Um, and I hope that that's known that uh, obviously with the position that I play, it, it has to be around a certain number. That's just, it is what it is. But at the same time, I told Tim, if we can structure it in a way to help the Raiders, um, you know, get the other guys, give them opportunity to come in, that that'd be really important to me too. So, uh, and lastly, I close my statement with this. Um, I, it's very important to me for the kids out there watching this and for them to know that I never chased the money in this whole process. Um, it's something that I, I, I'm very passionate about. Uh, I tried to be the best version of myself every single day uh, and, and give my teammates in this organization everything that I had. It was never, it's never going to be about the money for me. And so if one kid can understand what I'm trying to tell them by saying that, uh, I think that I've done my job. So thank you. Your priorities are in life and everything are well known, huh. but it is a huge contract. Um, just and you're not really an extravagant guy, but is there one thing that, you, that you're going to sort of splurge on that you can let Chick, us know? Chick-fil-A, probably Chick-fil-A. Uh, I've been eating clean, lad. We got lad here. He's been having me eat clean. I'll probably get some Chick-fil-A. But uh, no, uh, first thing I'll do is I'll pay my tithe like I have since I was in college, getting $700 on a scholarship check. Um, you know, that, that won't change. I'll do that. 
Uh, I'll probably give my wife something nice, uh, you know, even though she begs me not to. She, she still gets coupons. Ever since, we, ever since I've known her, she finds coupons. She gets online trying to find discounts and all those things, and uh, none, none of that's going to change. The, the exciting thing for me, money-wise, honestly, is that this money's going to help a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, I'm very thankful to have it, that it's in our hands because it's going to help people not only in this country, but in a lot of countries around the world. Um, and that's what that's what's exciting to me. It was very it was like surreal at first. I was like, all right, man, that's like Monopoly, man. That's that's weird, you know. Um, but then, like, as I began to see it and how we could place it in certain areas and began to see what kind of impact that could really make, uh, that's when it hit me like that. You know, I, you know, I didn't want to talk about that, but I've been down to Haiti <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, some of those struggles that they have and the kids there and my heart just I, I cry sometimes thinking about it. And so just knowing that we can go down there and just make a difference and help, uh, that's those are the kind of things uh, that the money makes me kind of like, oh, my gosh, you know, because now we can really do some things to help a lot of people. Yeah, awesome. I show that video because I want you to see somebody that has money, but money doesn't have them. There's a big difference. Throughout the whole countenance of the video, his humility, the way he talks, it's not just about me. I want to make sure the other players get what they need uh, so they don't have to go to other teams, uh, that, that he sees a bigger picture around the world. Do, do you see what happens? Because tithing breaks the spirit of greed. And nobody wants to be a greedy person, but yet we fall into that camp so often because there is literally a spirit associated with money. The spirit of mammon says no one can serve two masters. Jesus said either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God and mammon is that original word. And it's literally the spirit of money because there's a spirit that wants to control you. It wants to manipulate you. It, 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 it really is a big deal. And, and tithing begins to break that spirit off of you. You got it? All right, let me tell you one story and then we're done. Um, so Thursday is a national holiday in the Simpson family. Last Thursday is Strawberry Festival Day. Yes. Now, I am a Plant City boy through and through. And um, I love Christmas, I love Thanksgiving, and it might be Christmas, Strawberry Festival Day. <laughs> I don't love it for all the same reasons, because I've adapted as I've grown, because when I was a kid, I loved it because you got to ride all the rides. As an adult, I eat everything there. Yes. yes. Some of you are like, yeah, okay. I eat everything there. So, um, and people don't realize when I say I eat everything there. I eat everything there. I will fast for a month leading up to the Strawberry Festival so that I can eat everything there. So um, I wanted to um, paint this picture for you. So, um, so uh, uh, this has been going on for years. Um, I, you know, you got to practice. You got to work your way into it, man. You can't just, you know. And so uh, I took a, uh, took a picture log of everything I ate at the Strawberry Festival last year. Starting out with Schmitty's corn dogs. The first place you go when you go to the Strawberry Festival is corn dogs. Not any corn dog stand, but Schmitty's. Both because they are the best corn dogs at the festival and because he's a Christian. So they go over to Transforming Life Church. So I go to Schmitty's corn dog. We're going to go through these quickly. Go to that next one. Uh, uh, oh, that's, uh, that's potato, potato chips, homemade potato chips with cheese on top. Got to get some of those. All right, how about this? Hot Wisconsin cheese. I've been doing that since I was a little kid, man. It's amazing. Uh, bacon with chocolate. All right, the truth is Ada likes the bacon with chocolate. I just like the bacon, okay? I eat the bacon. All right, what's the next one? From there I go to, oh. Oh. Some of y'all know about the Amish donuts. It is a religious experience when you have the Amish donut. It is incredible to have the Amish donuts. And so there's my three Amish donuts. I did not eat all three, but there's my three Amish donuts. What's, what's next? Oh, then we got chocolate milk, homemade chocolate milk, the real deal from the cow that's usually there. All right, go to the next one. <coughs> that is bourbon chicken. This doesn't include all the things I drank throughout the day, which was all sweet tea and stuff. Uh, that, would be, uh, that would be steak on a stick, a kebab, basically. Uh, I can't see all these. Oh, almonds. Candied almonds. Ada said she never got any. She was upset about that. If you go to the festival and you get strawberry shortcake, which you have to do, then you have to go to Transforming Life Church, support Pastor Kyle. 
It is the best strawberry shortcake, and it's supporting Pastor Kyle. If you don't know who that was, he was our youth pastor here for many years, and now is a pastor at Transformer Life Church. This was a this was steak tips and mushrooms. They were amazing. Pastor Pastor Kieran was all excited about that. Uh, potato uh, French fries with uh, with um, uh, chili on top and cheese on top and all that. Some of y'all are getting sick right now, even just watching this. You're getting sick. Deep fried Oreos. Deep fried Oreos. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. An elephant ear. You can't go to the festival without getting an elephant ear. And there's only a couple stands left. Everybody wants those other, those other things, but the elephant ear is where it's at. Uh, cotton candy. Cotton candy. Cotton candy. Is that the last one? No, this is the last one. Next one. And uh, chocolate-covered strawberries. This is the next one. Oh, there's a blooming onion. I skipped right over that. A blooming onion and chocolate-covered strawberries. You get the picture. Some of y'all are impressed. You're like, how are you walking right now? True story. I've eaten two meals since last Thursday. True story. Because I ate so much on Thursday, I'm like, but that's what we do. That's our Simpson family tradition. That's what we do. It's like Christmas for food. My kids walk through, and they're like, I want that. You're like, just get it. Get it, get it. Let's everything you can eat. Just give me a bite. That's my one rule. You can get whatever. Just I just want a bite. It's Christmas for food. It's awesome. It's amazing. So with that in mind, a, a number of years ago, probably six or seven years ago, I remember going, and um, we get uh, uh, at the at the fair festival, and we're walking around, and Ada likes candied apples. And so Ada's going to get a candied apple. So then Ty's going to get a candied apple. So Ty gets a candied apple. Here's the deal. I don't want a candied apple. That sounds too much like it might be healthy. <laughs> That's not what you do at the festival. It needs to be deep fried. If it's a deep fried apple, maybe. But a candied apple, okay. But you know how it is. He gets a candied apple. Ty gets a candied apple. And he's biting the candied apple. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, it looks like it might be good. I'll try a candied apple. So I'm like, Ty, let me have a bite of your candied apple. Ty says, no. I'm like, boy, I have bought you everything at this strawberry festival today. I bought you Amish donuts. I bought you fried Oreos. I bought you cotton candy. I bought you everything today. I paid for the candied apple. Boy, you better give me a bite of that candied apple. He won't even give me a bite of the candied apple. I'm like, what is wrong? And you know how it is as a parent? I took a bunch of bites. Not even because I wanted it, just because he said no. <laughs> you say, no, I'm just, I'll eat half the thing just because you, told, you said I couldn't have it. I, I'll tell you what I can have. And it's so stupid. Because if I wanted a candied apple, I'd buy a candied apple. Compared to everything else at the festival, they're cheap. I'm not a rich man, but I could buy enough candied apples to take a bath in candied apples. I could buy every stinking candied apple the candy apple store had. They're not expensive. But you won't give me a bite of your candied apple. Come on, man. Come on, man. I ain't buying you anything else the rest of the day. God has provided everything for you. Deuteronomy 8 says when you get into the promised land, don't get conceited and think you got it by your own strength. Christians, recognize you didn't get it by your own strength. The one thing that's been on my mind the last 24 hours or so as I started processing the 25-year anniversary of surrendering my life to Christ is this. As a 19-year-old kid, I thought I was giving my life to Christ. What I found out through all the years is that Christ was actually giving me life. It wasn't me giving life. It was him giving life into me. And it happens as you give to the Lord. And I can look over all these years now, all these years, and I gave him a broken, messed up kid with no future that, that is not the same person you see standing on the stage. I gave him somebody that was a mess when I gave my life to Jesus. But over the years, God has allowed me to earn degrees and write books and marry the most amazing woman in the world and raise kids and now grandkids and, and all of these things. And you give God your little don't be stingy with it. Give God your little, and he blesses you with much. So, so what do you do? You hold up your cotton candy and say, God, I give this to you. I give this to you. I'm not going to be stingy with it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to try to control it. I surrender 
my little to you. And what does God do? God says, when you give me all of you, I can actually give so much more back than you've ever given me. That's what the tithe, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not about finances. God will bless you in ways that are not financial. But it is about trusting God with every area of your life. And some of you are on that maturity journey and you've been in the giving your heart to Christ stage and you've been in the giving your mind to Christ stage. And God's going, will you trust me with your wallet? Will you trust me with your wallet? There's some of you in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this morning is a moment to give yourself to him. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time. Thank you.